Every day in America, nearly a hundred children go missing. Most of them will never return home. These children are forced into a world of rape, torture, mental abuse, and ultimately are led to the slaughter. They are forced to participate in satanic rituals run by a very powerful elite. Their blood is drained and their adrenal chrome is harvested. But we are God's vengeance and we have waged an all-out war against child traffickers. Join us in the fight. You're probably wondering who is it that does these atrocities to the children? Well, I'll tell you. It is the United States government they are behind most of the abductions and the very powerful elites in government drain these children of their adrenal chrome in hopes that they can stay forever young. But it is much more than that. It is a sacrifice to the god Molech that has been going on for thousands of years. It has been hidden from the public eye and scrutiny for some time now. But it is finally coming to the light. And there is very few people that are fighting the good fight in fear that they will be targeted. But we have one thing that they do not. We have God Almighty on our side and nothing will stop us Nothing can stop us until God calls us home. So I encourage everyone that is listening, if you are an able body, put down the remote, get off the couch, stop being so comfortable. Join us in this fight. We need bodies. We need warriors. Even if it is not your child, Children are God's gift, and we need to do everything in our power to protect them. Every day, nearly a hundred children are forced into trafficking. And every year, millions of babies are aborted, sacrificed by their own mothers, doctors, People who are supposed to care for them. Who are supposed to give them a chance at life. Just as someone gave you life. And that you are living today because someone cared enough about you not to abort you. Listen. The Illuminati's declaration of war upon the American people is real. What I am about to read you is a top secret document which explains 
the silent weapons for quiet wars, and it is the doctrine adopted by the policy committee of the Bilderberg Group during its first known meeting in 1954. A copy found in 1969 was in the possession of naval intelligence. The following document, dated May 1979, was found on July 7, 1986, in an IBM copier that had been purchased at a surplus sale. The man who first furnished these documents to the public was William Milton Cooper, also known as Bill Cooper. This man spent 18 years of his life to wake people up to furnishing top-secret documents so people could no longer have an excuse to be blind and sit back and do nothing. I'm going to read a section from this top-secret document. It's not going to be the whole thing because it is very long, but I wanted to show everybody that yes, there is a real war waged against you and the family unit and our children. Wake up, people. So everything from this point on is going to be from the document itself. It is the words of the Illuminati. Most people want to be able to subdue and or kill other human beings which disturb their daily lives but they do not want to have to cope with the moral and religious issues which such an overt act on their part might raise. Therefore, they assign the dirty work to others, including their own children, so as to keep the blood off their own hands. They rave about the humane treatment of animals and then sit down to a delicious hamburger from a whitewashed slaughterhouse down the street and out of sight. But even more hypocritical, they pay taxes to finance a professional association of hitmen collectively called politicians and then complain about corruption in government. Again, most people want to be free to do things, to explore, etc., but they are afraid to fail. The fear of failure is manifested in irresponsibility, especially in delegating those personal responsibilities to others where success is uncertain or carries possible or created liabilities, law, which the person is not prepared to accept. They want authority, but they will not accept responsibility or liability, so they hire politicians to face reality for them. The people hire politicians so that the people can obtain security without managing it, obtain action without thinking about it, inflict theft, injury, and death upon others without having to contemplate either life or death, avoid responsibility for their own intentions, obtain the benefits of reality and science without exerting themselves in the discipline of facing or learning either of these things. They give the politicians the power to create and manage a war machine to 1. provide for the survival of the nation 2. prevent encroachment of anything upon the nation 3. destroy the enemy who threatens the nation 4. destroy those citizens of their own country who do not conform to the sake of stability of the nation 
Politicians hold many quasi-military jobs, the lowest being the police, which are soldiers, the attorneys, and the CPA, next who are spies and sabotagers, and the judges who shout the orders and run the closed union military shop for whatever the market will bear. The generals are industrialists. The presidential level of commander-in-chief is shared by the internal international bankers. The people know that they have created this farce and financed it with their own taxes, consent, but they would rather knuckle under than be the hypocrite. Thus a nation becomes divided into two very distinct parts, a docile subnation, great silent majority, and a political subnation. The political subnation remains attached to the docile subnation, tolerates it, and leeches its substance until it grows strong enough to detach itself and then devour its parent. In order to make meaningful computerized economic decisions about war, the primary economic flywheel, it is necessary to assign concrete logistical values to each element of the war structure, personal and material alike. This process begins with a clear and candid description of the subsystems of such a structure. The Draft Few efforts of human behavior modification are more remarkable or more effective than that of the socio-military institution known as the draft. A primary purpose of a draft or other such institution is to instill, by intimidation, in the young males of a society the uncritical conviction that the government is omnipotent. He is soon taught that a prayer is slow to reverse what a bullet can do in an instant. Thus a man trained in a religious environment for 18 years of his life can, by this instrument of the government, be broken down, be purged of his fantasies and delusions in a matter of mere months. Once that conviction is instilled, all else becomes easy to instill. Even more interesting is the process by which a young man's parents, who proportionately love him, can be induced to send him off to war to his death. Although the scope of this work will not allow this matter to be expanded in full detail, nevertheless a course overview will be possible and can serve to reveal those factors which must be included in some numerical form in a computer analysis of social and war systems. We begin with a tentative definition of the draft. The draft is an institution of compulsory collective sacrifice and slavery devised by the middle-aged and the elderly for the purpose of pressing the young into doing the public dirty work. It further serves to make the youth as guilty as the elders, thus making criticism of the elders by the youth less likely. It is marketed and sold to the public under the label of patriotic national service. Once a candid economic definition of the draft is achieved, 
that definition is used to outline the boundaries of a structure called a human value system, which in turn is translated into the terms of a game theory. The value of such a slave laborer is given in a table of human values, a table broken down into categories by intellect, experience, post-service job demand. Some of these categories are ordinary and can be tentatively evaluated in terms of the value of certain jobs for which a known fee exists. Some jobs are harder to value because they are unique to the demands of social subversion. For an extreme example, the value of a mother's instruction to her daughter, causing that daughter to be to put certain behavioral demands upon a future husband 10 or 15 years hence. Thus, by suppressing his resistance to a perversion of a government, making it easier for a banking cartel to buy the state of New York in, say, 20 years. Such a problem leans heavily upon the observations and data of wartime espionage and many types of psychological testing. But crude mathematical models or algorithms can be devised, if not to predict, at least to predetermine these events with maximum certainty. What does not exist by natural cooperation is thus enhanced by calculated compulsion. Human beings are machines, levers, which may be grasped and turned, and there is little real difference between automating a society and automating a shoe factory. These derived values are variable. It is necessary to use a current table of human values for computer analysis. These values are given in true measure rather than U.S. dollars, since the latter is unstable, being presently inflated beyond the production of national goods and services so as to give the economy a false kinetic energy. The silver value is stable, it being possible to buy the same amount with a gram of silver today as could be bought in 1920. Human value measured in silver units changes slightly due to changes in production technology. Enforcement As in every social system approach, stability is achieved only by understanding and accounting for human nature, action, reaction, patterns. A failure to do so can be, and usually is, disastrous. As in other human social schemes, one form or another of intimidation or incentive is essential to the success of the draft. Physical principles of action and reaction must be applied to both internal and external subsystems. To secure the draft, individual brainwashing, programming, and both the family unit and the peer group must be engaged and brought under control. Factor 2. The Father The man of the household must be housebroken to ensure that Junior will grow up with the right social training and attitudes. The advertising media are engaged to see to it that father-to-be is pussy-whipped 
before or by the time he is married. He is taught that he either conforms to the social notch cut out for him, or his sex life will be hobbled and his tender companionship will be zero. He is made to see that women demand security more than logical, principled, or honorable behavior. By the time his son must go to war, father, with jelly for a backbone, will slam a gun into Junior's hand before father will risk the censure of his peers or make a hypocrite of himself by crossing the investment he has in his own personal opinion or self-esteem. Junior will go to war or father will be embarrassed. So Junior will go to war, the true purpose notwithstanding. Factor 3. Mother. The female element of human society is ruled by emotion first and logic second. In the battle between logic and imagination, imagination always wins. Fantasy prevails. Maternal instinct dominates so that the child comes first and the future comes second. A woman with a newborn baby is too starry-eyed to see a wealthy man's cannon fodder or a cheap source of slave labor. A woman must, however, be conditioned to accept the transition to reality when it comes or sooner. As the transition becomes more difficult to manage, the family unit must be carefully disintegrated and state-controlled public education and state-operated child care centers must become more common and legally enforced so as to begin the detachment of the child from the mother and father at an earlier age. Inoculation of behavioral drugs, Ritalin, can speed the transition for the child. A woman's impulsive anger can override her fear. An irate woman's power must never be underestimated, and her power over a pussy-whipped husband must likewise never be underestimated. It got women the vote in 1920. Junior, the emotional pressure for self-preservation during time of war and the self-serving attitude of the common herd that have an option to avoid the battlefield. If Junior can be persuaded to go, is all of the pressure finally necessary to propel Johnny off to war? Their quiet blackmailings of him are the threats. No sacrifice, no friends, no glory, no girlfriends. Sister. And what about Junior's sister? She is given all the good things of life by her father and taught to expect the same from her future husband, regardless of the price. Cattle. Those who will not use their brains are no better off than those who have no brains. And so this mindless school of jellyfish, father, mother, son, and daughter, become useless and useful beasts of burden or trainers of the same. I completely agree with Bill Cooper when he says your pre preconceived ideas had to be shattered in order for you to understand the rest of this book. In this chapter, you can see every step that the elite have taken in their war to control this once great nation. You can see the steps that will be taken in the future. 
You can no longer pretend innocence. Your denial of the conspiracy will fall on deaf ears. This book is part of the education that will give Americans the weapons needed in the coming months and years of hardship as the new world order struggles to be born. Many will argue that silent weapons for quiet wars is only a bogus conglomeration of words for which the writer has never taken credit or responsibility. Those who do so ignore the self-evident truths contained within this document. They ignore these truths because they are an indictment of their own ignorance, which they cannot face. I 100% agree with Bill Cooper. A book I suggest that you all try to find is Behold a Pale Horse. I have the very original copy. There's only about 200 in the world of the 91 publication. You can try to find it. The best, Your best option would be trying to find it on eBay. It is very hard to get the original publication. If you get anything after his death, the CIA has changed a lot and they've taken out a little over 60 pages, I believe it is. But um, this is an amazing read and we should listen to what he has to say. Every single thing Bill Cooper said and predicted has come true except for one. He even predicted 9-11. And as we know, 9-11 came true. And he predicted everyone who would have their hand in it. And as we know now, he was 100% right. Well, that is all for today, folks. I hope you enjoyed Episode 4, Season 1. I will be back next week or a week after for another episode, so stay tuned. I am now on Spotify and Podbean, and I should be getting on other platforms very soon. And again, please share this podcast with everyone you know. We need to get the word out. Stand up and fight. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. May God bless you, may God keep you, and may God protect you.